Hi, welcome to Chats Over Coffee with my yoga teacher. This is a podcast where a yoga teacher talks to one of her students who happens to be a stand-up comedian and also happens to be me. Um, hello there. And between us, we have conversations about the nature of mind, happiness, the self, all that kind of stuff. Yoga as well kind of ties it together, but uh, you don't have to be someone that does or even likes yoga to enjoy it, um, we hope. That's the plan anyway. If you do like the show, we love it, love it, I tell you, if you could share or recommend it to your like-minded friends or write us a nice review on Apple, that would be very helpful and we'd love a few more listeners. I mean, you could run away and do that now if you wanted to, but if you want to listen to the show, uh, before you do, uh, here it is. You can think you're doing all the right things, you know, that's an illusion of control sometimes isn't it really like if i if i make sure i have five a day i'm never going to get ill but well the french say 13 a day so 13 how do you manage that do you manage that no well maybe because remember it's serving so if you have like a big bunch of peas with your meal maybe that would be two i always thought it was supposed to be different types of vegetables oh it doesn't necessarily have to be different types and tomato sauces count as one of your five a day as well not ketchup Just clarifying that. <laughs> That's got a lot of tomatoes in it, though. Yeah, but... I don't know if you have ketchup, but look at the back. It's always like 130% tomatoes. You know, how the... Uh... I want to know what this special ingredient that Heinz adds that, like, you know, breaks the laws of mathematics. But... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 500% tomatoes. And you're so... I mean, it's uh... just, you know, it, it's all luck. Like, as to like, how long you live, really, isn't it? I mean... Oh, yeah, definitely. When you're born, they don't have, like, a, a contract that you sign, and they're like, <laughs> all right, well, you, you're good for 50 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're good for 50 years. You're going to have um, you're gonna have some siblings. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're going to have... I don't think I'd sign that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, I don't want that contract. Is no. there any way we can take that one out? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take 40 years and no siblings. <laughs> I don't have anything against my siblings. They might be listening. So just, uh, I don't know. I just don't think the world owes you anything, does it, really? No, definitely not. I think that when my granddad died, what was he, 84, 85 or something? And he, mm. he died of, um, like, asbestos-related cancer um, or something. And my my nan was just like, oh, we don't deserve any of this. And I sort of thought, okay, it's not a very nice way to go. But it's 85, though. It's not... Like Andrew's granddad died when he was eighty five and he I mean he was overweight and obviously he had he had some issues, but he didn't actually die of anything. Like he in a sense he died of old old age. But I would say that in your eighties is a is a is a good long life. Yeah. I would have hoped. You would take you know. it. Like if you were offered it early I would on, take I it. think you'd take it, wouldn't you? <laughs> I was just yeah. like, What did you expect? Like did you think that you were going to be the first two immortal people in a couple or something? I'm not, like, I'm not being harsh. We'll live forever. I'm not being harsh or anything, but like, she probably didn't mean it that way at all. But, you know, it just, it's an inevitability. Like, it's not like, you don't deserve not to die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with this Judeo-Christian mindset where we're sort of like, you know, we, we think that we're like fallen angels, basically. Like, we're, we're, if you believe the whole Adam and Eve story, it's like we were all supposed to live forever and live in harmony and stuff like that. And then, and then the fall of Adam and we're like, now we're all screwed. And now we're all cursed or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and if we could just break the curse, we'd live forever. I think so, yeah. I think that <laughs> we must have that mindset about death somewhat. Like, we don't, we're like, mm. this should never have happened to us. None of us really deserve it. That's what it kind of feels like. I do also feel like there's this, there's quite a strong feeling where, like, it's not necessarily about deserving, but like about like a coping mechanism. 
Like you just don't think about it.、Mm. If we don't think about the fact that we're going to die, and the fact that people we love are going to die, and that fact that we'll probably, you know, it's very unlikely you'll be the first person of all the people that you love to die. It's a bit like, you know, if you, you just don't think about it, then it's a coping mechanism, isn't it? Then you don't have to worry about it, or feel it, or be scared, or whatever it is that you would have to process、uh, when you kind of confront death as a fact. And then when it happens, it feels really, really, really shocking and bad because you've up until then ignored it. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's not going anywhere. <laughs> no,、know. it's true. It's really hard to talk about though.、Mm. That's why there's so many euphemisms, you know, about、mm. it, like passed on and all that sort of thing.、Like、we don't、mm. explicitly say they're worm food. <laughs> I mean, no, you don't say that, do you? But、um, my nan、mm. used to talk about death all the time. Like she's,、mm. yeah, she is dead now. And people used to tell her to shut up, and she'd be she'd be、yeah. saying, "I want this. I don't want any of you crying or anything." And she, people would be like, "Don't talk about、yeah. that now. Don't talk about that now. You've got plenty left."、Yeah. And you're like, "She's not got plenty left." <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's what Andrew's granddad was like. He he had the death of John file. Everything you need to know is in the death of John file. He's called John, wasn't he? Yes, John's not John some、too. guy he murdered secretly. But, right? <laughs> No, no, that is his name. <laughs> I always thought that was so nice. I mean, it sounds like you're saying it sounds a bit like, oh God, you know, don't want to. It's almost like you're going to jinx it or something by talking about it. But to be honest, having some some information for your loved ones when you pass on is actually quite nice. <laughs> My nan wanted that Whitney Houston song played at a funeral, you know, and I will always love you, which、mm-hmm. I hate that song so much. <laughs> I actually didn't know that it was written by Dolly Parton until a couple of years ago,、oh, and her、right. version to me is just a billion times better than the Whitney Houston one. It's personal、mm. taste again, but I just find the Whitney Houston、yeah. one very shrill and like hard to listen to. It was very in at the time, wasn't it? That style of singing and stuff. So my nan wanted that at her funeral. I remember, but but when she died, I was the only person that remembered it, so I didn't say anything, and they played a different song <laughs> instead. And Claire was like, "That's a really awful thing. Like, you should have said that. Like, that's what she wanted. Just because you didn't want to hear the song at the funeral, they, you、mm. know, it was no better because they played Westlife instead, which is as bad a song, to be honest. Yeah, I suppose the thing is, and I, and I, I'm, I quite strongly believe this that funerals are for the people that they've been that are there, yeah, not、uh, not for、yes. the not for the dead person. Oh, good, just so, justifies like, my decision. <laughs> yeah. It depends on how much you beat yourself up about that. You know, like, do you feel guilty that you didn't tell anyone?、No. And should you? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I think that's the angle that I would be more like. The funeral is for the people to say goodbye and、mm. move on and have like a chat and a cry and have proper closure, and then you can let it go. That that's what I yeah. Because it's not like, like we're going to meet、so. her after we die, and she's going to be like, "You didn't get that right." Or <laughs> if you do, she's going to be so angry. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that's almost like a mindset people have when they design their f- funeral and stuff, like that they're going to be watching afterwards, going, "Oh, I can't、mm. believe he's like read that poem out." Play- be- she sat in the corner on one of those little f- trees or、yeah. some pile of flowers, going, "He didn't play my song." Is so and so on their phone? <laughs> you know, are they playing Candy Crush? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I found out that I was going to die. I was just,、um, I was like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> What? <laughs> What? <laughs> This ends. Like I was pretty angry about it because it's just like I didn't ask to be born, and now you tell me that I'm gonna like you know. <laughs> it's that it's, I don't. Know, it's just weird, isn't it? Why? Like I remember someone saying to me at school once, like why? Why am I this person? 
and not like someone else in the room or someone else 500 years ago or something. Why am I mm. me now and not... Is that a really banal observation? Like, is that the sort of thing like a three-year-old would say? No, I know what you mean. But it is really strange though, isn't it? Why am yeah. I this person and not like the like at this point in history now in the present as far as I know? Uh, unless we're living in a simulation, Matrix, <laughs> which apparently is a, a people a theory people take seriously, because the idea is that if in the future we are able to like technology advances so much that we will be able to create a simulation of like life as it is now, it's inevitable that we will do it. Like some sort of weird afterlife where your where your consciousness goes into a computer. I mean that kind of thing, like a simulation. You know, it's kind of inevitable that that's going to be tried at some point if it if technology gets to that stage. So, mm. the argument from some philosopher or something I forget his name is that it's statistically almost more probable that we're living in a simulation created in the future than we are living for real in the current moment. Oh, that's an interesting. I look up the guy who um, I'm going to. Do you know what I'm going to do to look it up as well? I'm going to use Ecosia. <laughs> well done <laughs> yeah living in a simulation theory who came up with that i recognize it if i see it uh yeah 50 percent chance apparently that we live in a simulation ah. a- according to the philosopher nick bostrom that's it all right shall i send that to you or something because yeah that sounds really interesting because i did hear a podcast about it once and so it says if yeah it follows there's a the belief that there's a significant chance that we shall one day become post-humans who run ancestor simulations oh. unless we are currently living in a simulation or something okay so mm. you know i've listened to him talk about it and it makes a lot more sense than me talking about it <laughs> but, <laughs> that's always the way with you yeah. when we try and learn explain anything but yeah yeah I don't even know why I started saying that. Now, oh yeah, I was just saying about like, why am I here now? So, so maybe I'm not even here mm. now. Maybe I'm. Maybe this is is a simulation because if you could mm. you could perfectly replicate because we're just computers at the heart of things, aren't we? Really, you could re- replicate us to. I mean, you know, unless we have. I used to sometimes think that you couldn't replicate us as computers because at the heart of it, I always sort of thought there was some sort of unquantifiable like like a soul like something at the bottom yeah. of me that sort of says well no i am here and you can't explain me sort of scientifically or like and do you not think that anymore well i don't know if i do because i'm not sure whether you know if you don't believe you're in complete control of all of your actions and you're watching them a lot of the time or just conscious of them is that what the soul is just so sort of like a watcher like i don't know i'm not saying you know it feels like I am someone with a soul that's sort of like, you know, you could build me in a computer and, and I feel like you couldn't replicate me because there's something, you know, at the heart of me that you couldn't replicate mm. because it's almost like your soul passing into a body or a computer or something like that. The, the, the computer's version of me wouldn't have the soul going into them. It's almost like you've got mm. the, the bodies, the mechanics of something, like my soul mm. could be put into a cat or something, and it would have a different... Do you know, that, that's, that's how yeah, I used to yeah. kind of feel, but now I just don't... I don't know if there is a, a soul. The problem is when you're brought up in a in a religious... Not even if you're brought up necessarily religious, but I think because we live in this Western Judeo-Christian... Mm. or any, I think any societies with any religious element to it at all does seem to believe that we have something that's a soul. 
And so you, yeah. even if you don't grow up in a religious family or surroundings, which I did anyway, I think you mm. probably do still think that you're a unique soul and something mm. like underneath everything screaming to get out. And, and that, you know, you're just... The, the body or something is just this vessel that you've been chained to for some time. Well, that is like, I mean, that's that's basic Christianity, isn't it? That your body is a, is a temple for your soul. Like that's yeah. pretty much any variation of any Bible-based religion is going, to, is going to agree with that, that your body is a temple for your soul. So being in the West or Western civilized countries or whatever, <laughs> you're going to have that feeling that, you know, I, me... And, and the rest of me is separate. So there is a separation between, like you're saying, my, my consciousness and my soul and what I would consider my body. And that even if you try to replicate that in like a simulator or something, you would just end up replicating actions, not soul. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've traditionally thought. But I, I couldn't ever say that whether that was, was like actually true or not. There is that, that idea that, that your body does have energy in it. That is just that your body holds on to not just not just like calories, energy and jewels, but like there's there's energy there that's constantly moving around. And when you die, that energy goes. And some people theorize that that energy could be partially be your soul. Like that's one of the other the things, because there is less there once you die, not just active movement, but actual, in a sense, light or substance, you know. That makes me think of have you ever I'm not I'm not a fan of Formula One, by the way. Are we talking about racing? Yeah, no, no, it's definitely, it's, it's really linked. I'm just saying. Okay, okay, go, like, on, go on, Have you seen the documentary Senna by, oh, I forget the name of the guy, but he also did a Maradona documentary recently. Um, no, I don't think so. Do you know, do you know who Ayrton Senna is? That name does sound familiar. He was a racing driver from Brazil in the, like, 80s and 90s. Was probably one of the, it was one of the best racing drivers ever. Apparently, mm. I don't watch racing. I think it's rather dull, actually. <laughs> but because it's like, I don't know. Obviously, like they're good drivers and everything, but mm. so much seems to be on whether your car is good or not. So yeah, yeah. There will. There's always a point where it's always going to be about the car. They should all have the same car. That's what I think. <laughs> it's stupid, isn't it? I mean, it's, I don't know. It's like I remember Ronnie O'Sullivan saying once: if someone gave him a twig. And told him to mm. compete with other snooker players out of queue. It'd be stupid, wouldn't it? Like you wouldn't. Mm. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be fair at all. So Ayrton Senna died in a crash in 1994 or something. Right. He's quite a religious guy. He's well, Roman Catholic from Brazil. Lots of people are in Brazil. I think it's quite a big Catholic country. And his doctor was very, very secular. Like, but he right. was the first person on the scene. And he sort of says that he could sort of feel the soul moving out of Senna when he's when he found him, which All is right. kind of strange. And I don't know whether it's a f- feeling or, or, or you know, whether he's sort of dramatised that somewhat because of mm. the trauma of the actual event, perhaps, or, or yeah, something. Of course, but yeah. you know, I do kind of like stuff like that because it just makes me feel like there is sort of an air of mystique to the to everything it's like yeah i love finding out stuff like that it's like the director in- yeah. ingmar bergman before he died told he told max von Sydow, the actor if there was an afterlife he would let max know after he died and mm. apparently he told him something so like apparently max he won't wouldn't talk about it but he said oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's he got some words to me somehow or something apparently so Oh my gosh, that's amazing. He died last year, so <laughs> I, I can't, you know, he had a Facebook page and I, 
thought, oh, could I message him and say, go on, tell us. But um, <laughs> how did he reveal himself to you? But, but I mean, you don't know, that could be rubbish because he could have just had a dream once where Bergman was in his dream and like maybe yeah. it was just, but you yeah, don't know, yeah. like these yeah. weird things can happen to you that you think are religious mm-hmm. events, but the mind is, is quite powerful as well. But I do think, because um, obviously being more in more Western countries, we're surrounded by Christianity and like you're saying in Judaism and things like that, it's basically all Bible-based, which is very niche. Like there are a lot of religions that have nothing to do with, with you know, Jesus and, and the Bible. I know like the, uh, the Native Americans, they have, not everyone, obviously, there were lots of different tribes. You know, they had some really, you know, really lovely beliefs, you know, believing that like everything had a soul and that you should, and they basically just worship nature, which is why they never advanced in a culture like you would have met, like we had done in, in like Europe and stuff, because it was very destructive. It's a very destructive culture that is not, it's not in balance with nature. Similar, similar beliefs were in Japan as well, around about the same kind of time. Uh, Shintoism, I believe, Shinto that's everything has a soul and you should live in harmony with nature and they make shrines to the nature spirits and stuff and they and have little offerings and things but but i feel a lot of the time especially with the native americans and the shinto belief is that any sort of rituals that they do if you want to call them that like like offering offerings to a tree or something or you put some fruit at the bottom of a tree or whatever i feel like those kind of rituals are for you not for the thing that's you that's going to get them. So, so the idea of giving is for you to practice giving, not for them to receive. If that makes sense. Like even even in Christianity, you have that you have your tithes, and you're supposed to give to the church and give to the poor and give to you know uh, you know another thing that you want to give to or whatever. Um, I think there's three tithes, first, second, and third type, and each one goes to a different thing. But like it's the same kind of idea. All these rituals, all these tithes, all these is is, is for you. It's not for the person you're giving it to. It's for you to help you be a good person and for you to be happy and for you to find that balance. So it's virtue signaling then, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, the idea is that you're practicing that. And if you don't feel it, it's not to say that you can't keep giving, but, you know, that's that's the, you know, you have to find your own balance between being a hypocrite and actually giving because you want to give. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd just just have to say something on brand, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was good. I, had, yeah. I used to do a joke about Native Americans that never really worked. Is this going to be? This better not be awful. It's not racist. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, maybe you know the fact that you're American, you couldn't repeat it because of your you know ancestors' crimes. But um, I did a joke about that, like you know, because they had that thing about not having their photograph taken because they think it takes a piece of their soul away. So I used to do a bit where I introduced that and say. That's why if you ever see a Native American driving, they're always going really slowly because if they get caught by a speed camera, obviously they lose a bit of their soul as well as, you know, getting there. <laughs> That's actually not too bad. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it never really works that well. Like, it really is one of those things that's like, does okay half the time and people would say, oh, I really like that. But you're like, well, I've got to drop it because most of the time it doesn't work. It worked really well once in a really rough gig in Scarborough. And, <laughs> so and I was like, how the hell has it worked here? Like, I just pulled it out. Maybe they were all just drunk. <laughs> maybe. But sometimes it doesn't matter what you say. They're just caught up in the whole sort of like, yeah. this is this guy is weird and we are laughing at him. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. You know, so that's, that's not, a, that wasn't a problematic joke, I hope. So, <laughs> no. Um, I think that 
perhaps I would definitely go down that route more towards that everything basically has a soul. Because I think sometimes when we say that as humans, we have a soul, whether that's on purpose or not, we end up putting ourselves on a pedestal. So we feel like that we are better than everything else because we have this soul or whatever, or we're created in God's image or however you want to look at it. I'm not saying that that's necessarily like you're evil for believing that, but <laughs> I do think that that mindset brings about a bad I, a bad idea. So like, obviously, if you think you're better than everything, if you think you're superior, then you'll have less respect for other things. You're less likely to care, um, you know, if something gets damaged or you squash something or some, you know, you're less likely to bother it if you want to chop down a tree, you'll just chop it down, you know, just things like that, rather than actually, if you really cared about it as a, as a, as an individual, if you thought that tree was something special, then you're less likely to do something uh, you know, you're more likely to try and take care of it than to just assume like, oh, it's got a disease, I'll just kill it. Like, don't do that to humans. So <laughs> That reminds me of, because I'm not sure we do have a soul, but that kind of reminds me of, oh, I forget who it was, it's some philosopher, it might be Camus, hmm. that said, that he was, I think he's an atheist, but, hmm. um, he definitely didn't believe in, let's say, I think he's an atheist, he definitely didn't believe in God, but it's not as simple as that, is it? But like, he, yeah. he said that, even though everything is meaningless, I mean, we should we should act as if there is a god and that there is, you know, that we, so basically, he's sort of, I think he's sort of saying you should follow the moral codes that yeah. are there. But like, but even though they're even though you, they're invented, we mm-hmm. should follow them. And I almost feel like maybe from what you just said there, I feel like maybe I'm the Shinto equivalent of Camus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I don't think anything has a soul, mm-hmm. but we should treat it as if it does. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. quite good, isn't it? There you go. I would I would agree with that. You don't have to actually believe it, but if you act like it, then yeah, it, you're going to be a better person, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. I suppose yeah. I think I'm a, I think I'm kind of on board with the, the uh, not uh, I don't so much believe in human exceptionism. Mm. I guess that's I guess that that's ties into that, doesn't it? Like I I mean maybe that's uh well it's not just a a judeo-christian thing where like we're told we're in charge of all the animals and stuff but i think you know we do assume that just because we can talk that we like like must be the only ones that the only creatures that sort of feel things on some sort of emotional level but we know that's not true because you know Mm. pigs and dogs and stuff are very Mm. very you know bright loads and loads of animals like a lot of um, like whales and dolphins and porpoises and you know all those kind of mammals that are mammals as well they they have really strong family ties and groups and stuff like that it's a part of me when i when i was really young when i was like a child you know you read it's in genesis you read like um you know god gave the earth to man as caretakers man is a species by the way (laughs) and um (laughs) <laughs> that's the only thing with you with the bible it calls man the species anyway <laughs> we assume god's supposed to be a man isn't he that's what they say but i reckon he only is because in the in those days you couldn't have got the bible published if you thought it was written by a woman because, <laughs> i like that that's like good. george Eliot and the bronze age sort of, you know, <laughs> it just would have flopped <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people wouldn't have taken it seriously so it's just god's a pen name yeah <laughs> for some <yeah>. woman <laughs> Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so as a kid, <laughs> and you know, you read all the, you know, you're the character, you God was, gave man the earth as a caretaker or whatever. But I always, I always, always, always thought, oh, caretaker, that means you have to take care of it. 
But I feel like no, I'm not nobody as in no individual, but like as a whole, obviously we have not done that. But that mind, I never thought I was above the animals. I just, that never, that, I never made that connection between them saying you're a caretaker, here's the earth, and then using that to say that, oh, well, I must be superior to everything. I don't know if there is um, maybe some more subtleties, specifically in the Bible, but... Not to be down on caretakers, but <laughs> most caretakers I've met, I wouldn't have said it's superior to... Uh... <laughs> That's mean, I shouldn't say that. But... <laughs> don't I don't even mean that, I don't even mean that, I just... Like... In fact, I watched Manchester by the Sea last night, and he's a caretaker, and he's a well-rounded character, so Ooh, there we go. There you yeah. go, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's decent. Yeah, I wouldn't put it on top on your list of films to see. He's really yeah. good in it, Casey Affleck. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a decent film. I, I mean, maybe like I say, maybe there's more things in the Bible that that I've kind of forgotten or whatever that maybe point towards humans being superior. But the first thing that I think of, and the first thing that I think a lot of people do, is around Genesis when you've been given the earth. I'm sure the words used is caretaker, and that doesn't necessarily mean superior. So I think that. We've lost sight of that a little bit as well. <laughs> mm. wow. That's neoliberalism. <laughs> That's what it is. I read a book recently about... So the idea that you could create a simulation of mm. the current, of everything, like if you had all the information and you could just recreate neurons and whatever in some sort of massive, stupid AI computer thing, yeah. and we're potentially living through that, which sounds a bit hacked to talk about it because of the mate, because it is... Oh, Lord, the mate. You say mm. that, don't you? When you're like... When you, the first time you've seen The Matrix, every sort of, like, you always like, oh, what if we're in the, you know, it feels yeah, a bit yeah. trite now, doesn't it, to say that? It's not the sort of thing you discuss when you're smoking weed at 18 <laughs> or sort of thing. Like, oh, what if this is all a... Yeah. So what I was sort of saying is is you, you could recreate everything, like, ten- technically. Mm. If you had a soul, that would be something that you couldn't recreate in a simulation, I would have said, because it's something intangible and... You know, something mystique, mystical yep. that you couldn't recreate in a computer simulation, I would say. But the, but I, I the, <laughs> this is going to lead a lot of editing. But, but I was reading a book recently about how the 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 idea that we have a soul or a self is 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 an illusion because it's just a story that that part of your brain is kind of narrating to yourself rather mm. than it's called the left hemisphere something it's just there's some part of part of uh, located in your left hemisphere i think which is like the i mentioned a little bit before ages ago because it's daniel kahneman also talks about it mm. in thinking fast and slow about how we have storyteller brains rather than information um analytical brains we so we'll, we'll look at information and create a story mm. out of it and our where's our place in the story and that's mm. the, and we don't read facts we read stories basically mm. so this part of your brain is telling is is kind of narrating to you what you think about things and how you interpret the world mm. and your place in it with this sort of like added ego in it and stuff and i think that is possibly what you might think a soul is. And I was reading this really interesting experiment that they did, which is probably illegal to do now, but they did some some epileptic patients had some surgery or something where they split some of the connections between your left and right hemisphere right. of of your brain. And so and then what they did is they showed them photographs or distressing images into mm. one into just one eye. I think it's the opposite eye yeah. Um, yeah, to yeah. part of your brain. So to bypass this left hemisphere narrator, they showed 
distressing images into the left eye of these epileptic patients mm. and so they didn't have the narrator explaining what the context of these things were so they were showing them distressing images mm. and then they were saying they were, they were trying to explain why they felt distressed without registering that they'd seen these images so they, they were showing them distressing images of like a fire or something mm. they started to feel uncomfortable and then they would say things like you specifically the person like doing the experiment are making me uncomfortable you're acting weird mm. but but these these people weren't necessarily acting weird they just couldn't explain why they felt a certain way yeah. so i'm not entirely sure where i'm going with this <laughs> but, but it's just that's just interesting to because you know in in that person's head you know that, that's what they've explained as the causes of their anguish at that time but it's got absolutely nothing to do with because it's just what this narrator says yeah. right but it's not real mm. so I don't know. Are we living under this spell or an illusion of this like thing in the back of our, in part of our brain that's trying to explain? Mm. Is that what we, is that what is that voice? What we think is our real self and our, you know, this mystical thing which you know I didn't think I could explain. Like, is the reason why I still like might have some hope that there's something other than sort of nothingness and cold science? Is yeah. that just a trick? Is that just a trick of the brain? You know, that's what the actual soul is, rather than. Yeah. Like something magical. Do you kind of know what I mean there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose if, like you're saying, if you're if you, if you were speaking to someone who's like a scientist or really analytical, they would probably just be like, yeah, you know, the fact that you think you have a soul is probably just your head telling you something, basically, interpreting things in that way. You know, because it's like sometimes um, in yoga we, we talk about creating space between you and your thoughts which is very similar. So it's like, well, what am I if I'm not my thoughts? It starts to be like kind of the next thing to wonder. But I suppose that, you know, you could say like, oh, between you and your thoughts, but that mean, that must mean that you, the you part of that would be your soul, but you are still your brain. So you're just creating space between, like you're saying, that narrator and then the person in the story. So, so glad we got to the bottom of that. <laughs> that age-old mystery solved. yeah that's it solved yeah <laughs> i suppose there's that other you know there's there's two aspects to this as well i mean the the idea of having a soul as an individual but then does that individual soul soul stay individual anyway even if you were to believe that you you had something that made you uh, extra special or whatever rather you believe that everything has it or not doesn't really matter you know if you believe that individual things of individual souls well what happens when they die do you do you get individual souls after or do they join like like an ether you know mm -hmm. and just there's no separation you know and then it's pulled out again when something one needs a soul <laughs> <laughs> like loop a little bit of that <laughs> Yeah, if you believed in the soul as a you know narrator in your head, like telling you the, your concept of self, sort of thing, then that you then that is that doesn't tie in with that, does it at all? So, well, it, it it does tie in with that because that's just how it is now. But when the narrator dies, then the soul is still there. But is it an individual or does it become part of a group? Well, the narrator is the soul, though, isn't it? Like this, this the, the narrator has given you the illusion of self and. So that I thought that I was thinking about the other way around. So like I was thinking it was the narrator was your mind and right. who the narrator would be talking to would be your soul. So maybe I misunderstood that. 
Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. I mean, again, I, I wish I was an expert. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, that's just how I thought of it. So then I didn't, I didn't realize that we were thinking the, the yeah, who's this narrator? Who's this narrator talking to? Then? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that that the person that they're talking to, that's the soul or something. <laughs> uh, I don't think uh, we definitely are going to solve this after all. <laughs> <laughs> it's whether one day they'll explain it all scientifically. But I think. I think they have explained a lot scientifically anyway, you know, like how the brain works and neurons and all that and every all the electrical signals and how it all works. But that doesn't that doesn't tell you that you either have a soul or don't have a soul. I don't think they'll ever be able to answer that question. I don't. Yeah, I suppose it's like, you know, wasn't that science don't do why questions or something, is it? Just, mm. They just do how. You could, that's what I always think. Like they explain why the Big Bang happened and stuff, or no, no, how it happened, but they can't explain yeah. why. Like, yeah. Why did that? Yeah, we always start milliseconds after. Yeah, everything starts milliseconds after. But it's just like, what happened? Why did that start? You know, mm. and, <laughs> like, and where did that come from in the first place? And yeah, yeah, yeah. got no answers to that, <laughs> and we never will. <laughs> I, I think that's an impossible question, unless we end or something. You know what I mean? Current theory, I think I said this before, is flat. It's a flat universe uh, or, or like a ever-expanding one. But um, if you were to think and if we change our minds and we have an expanding universe that blows up and then contracts back down again. So everything, gravity wins. Gravity always wins. It pulls everything in towards itself. So if you believe that there's not enough space between everything once the ex initial explosion and gravity pulls it all back together, we'd end up with, again, a singularity like we had at the Big Bang just before or at the moment or whatever um so if you believe in that then i suppose there may be a chance that at some point if we have a soul we could watch it happen again <laughs> <laughs> that's about the likelihood of ever being able to figure out what's gonna <laughs> what's gonna happen <laughs> or what had happened <laughs> i don't know it's confusing you know, i'm gonna listen back to that and think oh, what the hell i'm talking about but um... <laughs> thanks I, I hope that was good for you Join us in two weeks' time when we come back and there'll be another episode and we'll be talking about the Yamas again and, and discussing the idea of truthfulness. So, uh, see you then, hopefully. Bye. <laughs>